1: It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're live from the Dish Professionals. Call them 801-424-DISH. That's 801-424-DISH. Get signed up during the show today. Ryan's going to give you an extra $100 back. Put it right back in your pocket. Not to mention uh, Dish Network, which uh, you and I both uh, love. Indeed.
2: See, that's the thing about coming here. You and I are both customers. Yeah, it's easy. So we've experienced it, you know? It's good. I, you know, talking to Ryan. Uh,
1: he's here. He knows what you want to see. He knows the the packages that include the the games that you want to see, and
2: uh, especially from a, from a sports fan's point of view, yeah. you know, he gets that. So yeah. it's it's good. All right, let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line.
1: Uh, Smart Rain, Best of uh, State Award winner, is having an end-of-season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchased. Offer available to all Commercial Property Zone listeners. Visit SmartRain.net to schedule a demonstration today. Uh, Joining us now, you can hear him on Sirius XM radio covering the PAC 12. Our good friend, Sean O'Connell. What's up, OC, Jake Gordon, what's going
0: on? Anything new?
2: Sean, you, you've got to know the conversation we had before you came on. Jake asked uh, Austin and me, if we would be, would we get in the cage with you? If we were to be rewarded with a million dollars and Jake immediately said he would. Austin said he would, and I said no way. Because there's, why not? Because you're a great fighter. I, I, I would. I'm not sure what I would do with the million dollars if, if, like I said, my my brain bounced off the side of my skull.
0: Well, I guess the urgency for Gordon, who's already got tens of millions, to get another million <laughs> is not exactly. nearly so sincere as Jake's willingness. Look. <laughs> It's a controlled environment in there, Gordon. You got a referee, so the worst thing that happens... If you take a little nap, right? You've taken naps for free before. I take a long nap because, Sean, I've seen you fight, man.
2: I've seen you fight. I don't want any part of that.
1: That is a great line. You've taken a nap for free before. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great line. Oh, man. Well, O.C., thanks for jumping on with us. Uh, It's an interesting day in Ute world. Charlie Brewer chooses to move on. What uh, what are your initial thoughts?
0: Man, it's... It's kind of crazy to me, right? Um, on one front, you wonder if this is a representation of kind of where we are as a sports culture now with the instant gratification and the one wanting to overcome adversity and all those things. And then when you try to be a little bit more understanding of Charlie Brewer's situation, he's a guy who, uh, if he plays you know, two more games for Utah, can't play again. And if you're going to be a backup then it's not the experience that you want as someone who started multiple games now at several schools. So for him, uh, it felt like an executive decision to say, look, I want to play another full season of football. I'm going to uh, call this a day while I still have the, the new red shirt rule in my favor. And you know, this allows him an opportunity to be a starter elsewhere for one more year because I don't think Charlie Brewer's got a, a great chance of being a pro quarterback, but even if that's not his future, college sports are a special thing, and they—that window is only open for so long. So I, I don't begrudge people for trying to keep it open as long as they possibly can, especially with name, image, and likeness being a reality now for these individuals.
2: Oh, see, Jake and I were talking about this earlier uh, regarding. Uh, What happened to Charlie Brewer? I mean, he didn't look particularly good in in the three games he played, he started, uh, but he threw for 9,700 yards at Baylor. He threw like three times as many touchdowns as he did interceptions there. What happened at Utah? He didn't suddenly lose his talent. What do you
0: think's going on? Well, look, part of the reason why he left Baylor was because the talent around him at Baylor uh, was diminished, right? Right. So you, Uh you get out into the transfer portal and you say, where's a place where things look promising? University of Utah has established themselves as one of those places where you can go, and if you are a quality quarterback, you can have success. You've got typically a physical offensive line in front of you. That has not proved to be the case this year. You've got a powerful running game that takes pressure off of you when it comes to the the box counts and the you know defenses that you're looking at. Um, so it's a respectable program. I think you called it earlier, Gordon, a proud program. There's no reason why you wouldn't want to go to a place like Utah and potentially contend for a conference championship. And in an outlier year, perhaps even more than that, if you believe – that you can be the difference. And, of course, as a starting quarterback, you always believe you are the difference, right? Like all these guys have at least the appropriate amount of ego if they're Division One Power Five starters. And, and look, he, he came into a situation where maybe he wasn't as good as Utah wanted him to be, but Utah wasn't as good as he wanted them to be either. Yeah. The offensive line situation for the University of Utah in these first three games, even against Weber State, has been far from ideal. He got pressured a lot more. That diminished his performance. That probably diminished teammates' view of him, his coach's view of him, to the point where they had to bench him. These are symbiotic relationships, right? No man is an island, and certainly no quarterback is an island. So was Charlie Brewer at fault for some of uh, the lowered expectations? Sure. But so was that offensive line. So was a wide receiving group that couldn't appear to get open, at least in the BYU game. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's a tough go because we're all looking for someone to blame, pointing a finger. It's just, this is one of those situations. It's like a relationship that didn't work out. Utah and Charlie Brewer, not meant to be a couple at the end of the day.
1: Oh, see, I think, I think you're right on the money. Gordon and I were talking about you know, those offensive line issues, and there's no doubt. I mean, if you're watching the game, you're seeing it. There, There is pressure on the quarterback, and it might simply be that Cameron Rising's game and his mobility is a little bit more suited to overcoming that weakness than Charlie Brewer, who has never really been that guy, right? He He's going to stand back there and try to make the throws, and you know maybe it's a situation where the receivers weren't quite up to snuff and the, the O-line couldn't give him the time he needed to be the player that he was at Baylor.
0: Yeah, and again, it's tough because you don't want to say, well, the O-line's the only problem. Because if right. the O-line's the only problem, why was Cam Rising able to come in with a quarter and a half and then some overtime uh, and, and galvanize this offense in a way that we didn't see Charlie Brewer do it? Why was Cam Rising able to get the ball to a wide receiver core that had been like, either not open or woefully neglected by the quarterback's eyes? in at least one and a half games in the early part of his Utah schedule. It, and it's all, it all works together. That, that's the difference between offense and defense. On defense, one guy does a great job. You're talking about, wow, that was an amazing play. One guy gets past his man and gets a sack. It's an amazing play. One guy reads the, the quarterback's eyes perfectly, gets in front of a pass picks it off, takes it back to the house, that's a great play. It only takes one for a defense to be great. Obviously, percentages go up if 10 of the 11 or all 11 are doing what they're supposed to be doing. But on offense, you need at least nine guys to be playing perfectly for the offense to go. You need 11 guys to be doing it right most of the time for an entire game plan to look good. That's the difference between offense and defense. And, you know, the quarterback ends up being the one who gets all the credit when things are going well. He gets all the blame when things are going poorly. Charlie Brewer decided that, you know what, they don't want to be in the Charlie Brewer business, I don't want to be in the Utes business, and then he, he's off. It stinks. But what we're really lamenting here is a backup quarterback transferring out of the program. So I I don't fully understand the angst because he's been benched and Cam Rising was going to be the starter moving forward. This diminishes the depth of your quarterback room, but he was your backup moving forward.
2: Let me uh, circle back on on uh, O.C., what you were talking about with Charlie Brewer and the, the relationship between the fans and what the reaction should be. You were a college athlete. I mean, these are college kids, right? I mean, do you think that sometimes the uh, the public reacts too harshly?
0: Not sometimes, all the time. And, and look, I'm, I'm guilty of it too, where you see someone having a bad game and you say, oh my gosh, that guy stinks. You see someone, a quarterback, throw a couple of interceptions, you say, oh, terrible player. Don't like him, don't want him. Jets fans are doing that right now with Zach Wilson, right? Well, you, you have to, as a fan of every sport, and especially college football, where they are college kids, and the, the beauty of this game is – the swings and momentum and is the mistakes that sometimes your team makes, but hopefully most of the time your team capitalizes on. That's why college football for me is more fun to watch than the NFL. But our our fan reactions and overreaction are always too strong, right? Utah right now, it's all doom and gloom. They're a one and two team with losses to an old Mountain West foe and their in-state rival who hadn't beat them in 12 years. It feels like the end of the world for a lot of Utah fans. But – If they can put things together and they can win seven or eight of their nine conference games, we're going to look back on this and say, you know what? It was a decent season that helped them develop into a championship contender in 2022, potentially. So it's always a violent reaction. It's always an overreaction. And when you direct it at someone who's between the ages of 17 and 22 as a fan, you're almost always in the wrong.
1: OC, I want to ask you about the defense because you were certainly right about the quarterback and we get focused on the offense and all of that so much. And uh, Gordon and I were, were chatting a little bit the other day about whether or not the defense has been where we typically expect a, a Utah defense to be. What do you think about that?
0: Well, the answer to that is definitively no, right? I mean, they've got they've got a guy in Devin Lloyd who's going to be uh, a probably a high-round draft pick, a, a big-time NFL football player. Uh, I don't think that, I mean, Clark Phillips is probably going to be that. JT Broughton, who's now injured, has an opportunity. Your safety play isn't what we're accustomed to at the University of Utah. I think Nephi Sewell has actually been kind of a revelation. His speed as a converted safety uh, is a perfect complement to to Devin Lloyd. But we always, always, always talk about the defensive front at the University of Utah being formidable and being something that, you know, you can – Money in the bank count on them to be hard to run against. Well, Vianney Muala, who's now out for the season, Hawati Putitao, who's now a second-string guy, have not lived up to the expectations of that are probably unrealistic every year for a Utah defensive line. Mika Tafua has gotten to the quarterback, I think, once so far in three games, right? He's not winning his battle every time. Uh, I think ex-Carlton and Van Fillinger are both doing pretty well, but those are incredibly young players who still have two seasons of growth before we see what their potential really is. So, so definitely this Utah defense is not up to the level of expectation that we got spoiled on when you had Bradley and I rushing the passer or, you know, Hunter Dimmick rushing the passer and you had Lota Lele anchoring the interior of the line and you had you know, Chase Hansen and Jared Norris and Johnny Paul and all those guys playing in front of a defensive backfield that just two years ago sent the entirety of itself basically to the NFL, at least to make practice squads. So the defense, we always give them the benefit of the doubt. And we always believe that a Utah defense is going to be the strength of the team. And I think that's comparatively still true, but if the offense was playing up to par, then we'd be, we'd be wringing our hands about the defense because they were getting pushed around by both San Diego state and BYU at times, especially BYU.
2: And yet Kyle Whittingham said uh, this last week, I guess he said it yesterday, uh, that the team has more talent than it is showing. And and so my question for you, OC is if you were a betting man, do you think they're going to turn this around in conference? Do you think they have a chance to uh, rise up and get where they they thought they could get this
0: season. Well, they they certainly have a chance to do that. Uh, I don't know about the betting man putting smart money behind it because look, we 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 have a reason to believe that this is a more talented Utah roster than uh, maybe five years ago. But this group of players, collectively and sometimes as individuals, have not given us reason to believe that they're going to live up to their potential. Right. One of, the, what, one of the big gripes that I have as a, an athlete who was under-talented and relied on work ethic and focus and things like that, just to squeeze every little bit of potential out of my own athletic career, especially in fighting, I get really upset about when people talk about being more talented as being better, right? Mm-hmm. The best Utah football team that we've ever seen is a debate between the Fiesta Bowl team and the Sugar Bowl team. Neither of those were the most talented Utah football teams that we saw. That distinction belongs to the squad just a couple years ago that lost to Oregon in a Pac-12 championship game because of lack of effort, lack of focus, total underperformance in that championship game, and then went and laid an egg in a bowl game as well, right? That was a group that was more talented than this year's group, than all those years before, but didn't live up to their full potential because potential is a curse word in sports. Talent, in some ways, unrealized talent at least, is a curse word in sports. Don't tell me how talented you are. I don't care. Once you're on the roster and we've recruited the talent, now I want to know, are you developing? Are you working hard? Do you have the same chip on your shoulder that Eric Weddle had? Do you have the same chip on your shoulder that Jared Norris had? Do you have the same chip on your shoulder that Gianni Paul had because he was an undersized linebacker who didn't get defensive player of the year honors like he deserved? I don't want to hear about the talent anymore and about the fact that they're getting better players than they ever did before. Utah was at its best when they took under-recruited players who everyone else overlooked and developed them into monsters. Give me that. That's what I would believe, and that's what I would say is the kind of team that can turn this thing around. I'm not positive that that's what they have this year.
2: So, Sean, specifically in your case, you said chip on the shoulder, how did you become a great fighter? I mean, how did you use that chip on your shoulder to become what you became?
0: Well, a lot of dumb, cliche stuff, if I'm being honest, Gordon. I, th- I knew that I had limitations uh, in my grappling acumen. So I worked on that weakness until it wasn't such a weakness anymore. Going into my championship run. Uh, we saw something on social media where my opponent was doing 10-minute rounds instead of the five-minute competitive rounds. He was training for 10-minute rounds. So like some dumb thing out of a Rocky movie, I turned my clock up to 11 minutes and said, well, I know that I'm banking more time than he is. And sometimes that's just the mental advantage that you need. When you're getting tired and you feel like you're exhausted and you're losing the individual battles, right, like – When Utah is getting pushed around by a BYU offensive line that has not been able to do that in more than a decade, it's not because BYU was stronger. It's not because BYU was more talented. It's because BYU was trying harder and believed that their effort was actually going to translate to a victory. And for some reason, there was a disconnect, at least for that game, and maybe for at least three quarters of the San Diego State game, between Utah's talent and it's realization that you have to perform and that your effort has to be there. This is a coaching staff that knows how to prepare people. I'm not telling Kyle Whittingham or his staff or anybody how to do their jobs. For players, you need to acknowledge that, guess what? You're not quite as good as you thought you were. You're not getting to the quarterback as many times in the game as people said in the preseason you would. You're not living up to your – preseason all-conference status or whatever else, and the only person who can fix that is you. Maybe the players only meeting fixed that. Maybe the mentality has changed because now they get to be the underdogs a little bit again. It might be necessary for a Kyle Whittingham coach team to have that it's us against the world, no one believes in us kind of thing. You're getting better players who have a harder time connecting to that nobody believes in me Everybody overlooked me. I should be playing, you know, at USC or whatever. Now you're winning recruiting battles against Ohio State. Clark Phillips doesn't get to play the, at least in, in good stead, doesn't get to, re, to play the "No one Believes in me" card, but he's still connected with his work ethic, and he's still connected with whatever chip on his shoulder, or whatever makes that motor go for him. You need everybody to be that way.
1: O.C., you are the best, sir. Thank you very much for jumping on.
0: Uh, just one last thing for the record. Austin would last longer than either of you would if we ever oh, did yeah, that all occasion. cage. Yeah,
2: pretty sure. Yeah, for, for some of the reasons that you already talked about right there. Austin you know? has a sturdy jaw. And, he, and he's got the, well, kind of a bulldog uh, to yeah, him. But we're know? talking yeah. like look, a
0: quarter of a second, guys. <laughs> gordon gordon he arrived decades ago right he made it in life jake rode gordon's coattails and now he can also say he made it in life but austin he's still hungry
1: he's got that hunger oh, look at that yeah, yeah he's like got a that fat hunger. It's, it's true <laughs> sean thank you very very much we good appreciate stuff, you Sean.
2: good stuff
0: all right take
1: it easy fellas. see you buddy that's our friend Sean O'Connell, uh, Sirius XM Radio. He's a pretty talented guy, isn't he? Oh, Sha- O'C is amazing, Sean. Uh, you know, I know he hears this all the time, but he's he's the Renaissance man. He's he's incredibly smart. He he talks down his athleticism, but to achieve what he achieved yeah. in uh, in mixed martial arts and the level that he achieved it, I mean, you have to be. Uh,
2: have I saw you, the uh, man pretty, fight. Did yeah, you ever see him
1: yeah, fight? Yeah, multiple Holy a cow. Bunch of times. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah he, he he was you know he he really lived up to what he just described that right. the Utes have to be yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah just a just a great
1: human so thanks to uh, to OC for jumping on with us and did uh, give us a, a real kind of player perspective about how the Ute players need to you know galvanize and uh, still have something to play for which is something Cole Fotheringham told us on. Uh, on Monday, you know, that they've got that the conference season is still out there and they can uh, they still absolutely have something to play for. It's just the hard part about it is and this is the, the competing I, ideals, right? You know, the Utes lost an on-conference game for the first time in over a decade and then lost another one. Yeah, that's that's a blow to the, I guess, myth of who you are, right? Or, or got the, beat by an independent and by a Mountain West team. Right. And so now you're not feeling so so uh invincible. that's the word I'm looking for. you know I what thought, i mean and yeah. and
2: so you've gotta figure out a way to to tape it back together and maybe do something different yeah, and I thought that was interesting that uh that Sean brought up some uh, some weaknesses that even emerged in that uh in that uh, Weaver state game, you know right. So, big thanks, Dosi, for jumping on with us.
1: Uh, He's the best. More next 97.5 and 1280 of the zone.